Well, friends, good morning. Good morning. I think, uh, I think the breakfast crew from downstairs is, is still making their way up, as is the smell of their breakfast, um, which is making me hungry for second breakfast. But anyway, friends, good morning. Uh, welcome to Pleasant Street Christian Forum Church. My name is Matthew, and on behalf of all of us, we are so glad that you could be with us today. Uh, when we gather for worship, as we do in person and online, we do so using a printed liturgy that has the words and the songs that we're going to sing and say together. And you can also find those things on the screens behind me and on your little window within a window at home. Friends, however you are with us this morning, we are gathered in the presence of God. And it is good to be together on this beautiful day. As we get started, I do want to highlight two announcements for you. Uh, the first is that we have started some new experiments this fall here at church, trying to find ways for us to deepen our love and our devotion to Jesus together. And we're trying some experiments we're calling gospel formation. These are things that we're doing after our worship service to, to gather once again for a little bit extra time so that we can hear from each other about what God is doing in our lives and so that we can learn more deeply and memorize uh, the truths that, that God gives us in Scripture together. And so Kate and I want to talk about that just for a second since it's new. Let's take it away, Kate. Good morning. Uh -oh. Am I on here? Sure. Here we go. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so besides, um, I'm sure you can smell, I can smell like syrup and bacon. So we have... <laughs> In the morning before service, the high schoolers gather. Um, so I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that because if you are a high schooler and you are not there, you're missing out. And I feel like I need to be a high schooler. <laughs> um, so our normal things um, like nursery during the service for ages um, babies through three, kids street age four through second grade gets dismissed after the sermon. Echo, uh, I'm sorry, before the sermon, echo for ages um, third grade through fifth grade gets dismissed after the sermon. And then that's the time when we pick up our kids. And then we're going to have fellowship time for 25 minutes. I'm actually going to set a timer because we want to make sure to get into our gospel formation time. So the gospel formation time is a sermon discussion for adults, high schoolers, and middle schoolers um, led by Pastor Matthew. And we will make sure to pick up the microphone in there and make an announcement when that will start. We will also have catechism for, um, we have two groups, preschool through second grade and third grade through fifth grade. And we'll meet back in the Kids Street and Echo rooms for that. And the younger kids will be getting familiar with the New City Catechism through fun activities and discussions. And the older kids will kind of go more in depth uh, depth with that, with fun activities and discussions. And some of you might be saying, what is a catechism? You might not be familiar with it, or you might be. Um, so a catechism is just a sim simply a way to learn more about what the Bible says on many different things in a format of learning questions and answers. And we want to start at a young age because it's never too early to plant a seed. And as they get older, they'll understand it more. And then during that time, we also have an extended nursery time for the babies through age three. So all of that will last for 30 minutes, and we're all going to set timers and, you know, 
But um, please stick around for all of that if you can. Um, we understand if you can't, but we would love to invite you to join us for all of that. Yeah, thank you so much, Kate. So we'll remind you at the end of the service, but basically after church ends, go fellowship, and then we'll send you to your various places after that. All shall be revealed. Um, the other thing I want to highlight for you is uh, that next weekend, as you've probably seen already, we're celebrating 125 years as a congregation, right? And so I uh, sometimes will just look at this room. If, if you're at home, you can't see it, but just look around you for a second, right? This is a big room, right? Man, if walls could talk, right? How, how many songs and hymns have these walls heard, right? How many stories could they tell? So uh, next weekend, we're going to have a chance to sing and to tell some of those stories together about what God has been doing in the life of this congregation for at least our collective living memory and maybe some stories even that predate all of us as well. Um, so please join us if, if you're able. Uh, that'll be next weekend on Saturday night for a banquet and then Sunday morning for a worship service here. Which brings us to where we are now, actually. We've been going through the book of Jonah together as a congregation which turns out to be a great way at a seminal moment in your history uh, to go to a book like that to be reminded of who we are and what brought us here and what God wants us to do. And that's part of why we're turning our attention there. And so, friends, would you please rise in body or in spirit? God is going to call us to worship. Let's worship together. call to worship. <laughs> we give thanks to you, God our Father, for mercy that reaches out, for patience that waits for our returning, for your love that is ever ready to welcome sinners. We praise you that in Jesus Christ you came to us with forgiveness and that by your Holy Spirit you move us to repent and receive your love. Though we are sinners, you are faithful and worthy of all our praise. We praise you, great God, and Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
This past week, we've probably wandered from God's truth and his ways often. And we need to ask for his mercy and forgiveness. Would you pray with me? Um, join me in a prayer of confession. Holy and merciful God, in your presence, we confess our sinfulness, our shortcomings, and our offenses against you. You alone know how often we have sinned in wandering from your ways. 
in wasting your gifts, in forgetting your love. Have mercy on us, O Lord, for we are ashamed and sorry for all we have done to displease you. Forgive our sins and help us to live in your light and walk in your ways for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Please continue on in silent confession. Congregation of Jesus Christ, hear the good news. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, a new life has begun. Know that in Jesus, God embraces you, forgives you, and strengthens you to live a renewed life. At the foot of the cross Where mercy paid for me Where the wrath I deserve It is gone, it is past Your blood has hidden me Mercy Mercy as endless as the sea. I'll sing your hallelujah for all eternity. We will lift up the cup and the
Take a moment, and everyone can do a 180, look at a camera, and greet anyone who's at home, worshiping with us online. Great to have you with us in that way. Please take a few moments to greet each other and pass the Lord's peace this morning. Can I have all the kids come up, please? Come join me up here. Maybe I should sit down. How are we all doing this morning? Good? All right. People of God, what is our prayer? Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Good morning. 
My name is Mike Anima. I'm an elder here at Pleasant Street, and it's my privilege to lead us in prayer this morning. So would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've provided for us. Lord, we marvel at the world that you've made. We thank you for the rain. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the seasons that remind us of the change that's inevitable in our lives. Yet, Lord, we trust that even in seasons of change that you will provide for us all that we need. Remind us, Lord, that in all things that you are in control. Lord, this morning we ask that you would bless the, some freshly starting and new activities of this church. Be with the GEMS and Cadets, youth group programs, children's church, and other educational activities as they seek to help our young and some not-so-young people grow into the people that you'd have them be. Bless the leaders of these various groups as they seek to bless our youth and our congregation. Help our children to be receptive to their instructions. Lord, we thank you that we can look forward to celebrating 125 years of service to this community that you've placed Pleasant Street Church in. We thank you for the faithfulness that you've shown to us and to those that have come before us. Lord, as we celebrate next week, help us to not just remember your past blessings to us, but may we also look forward to how we can continue to bless the community where you've put us. May we strive to serve you and those around us in even more and better ways. Lord, this morning we rejoice with Irene Vandenacker and her family as, as they celebrate 90 years of good health. But Lord, we also ask that you'd be with the needs of our congregation. Be with Karen as she and Steve deal with a cancer diagnosis. Be with Zach as he recovers from a recent work injury. And Lord, we ask that you continue to be with those in our congregation that are recovering from recent bouts of COVID. Help them to return to full health quickly. Lord, we ask that you could be with the many families in our congregation that have, are, have recently lost loved ones. Continue to be with Mike, Annika, and Elise, and also be with other families that have recently lost loved ones in this past year. Lord, help us as a, as a community to mourn with them, knowing that our ultimate hope is in the promise of eternal life with you. Lord, we ask that you'd forgive us our sins that we have and will commit. So often we do things that we know we shouldn't, and we, or we don't do things that we know we should. Remind us this morning how you paid for our sins with your life and that your perfect sacrifice paid the price that our sins deserved. And help us to live lives worthy of this sacrifice and to respond to your grace in our lives by living lives of obedience and service. Lord, this morning we ask that you would be with Pastor Matthew as he brings us your word. Help us to see through the life of Jonah how you call us to be servants of those around us and help us to love you by loving others. All these things we ask in your name. Amen. This morning we'll be reading Jonah 1, 4 through 16. It's found on page 754 in your pew Bibles. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? The captain went to him, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that he 
we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. So the thing about being a preacher is that you just have to keep reading the same story over and over again. And one of the most wonderful things about that is that no matter how, no matter how many times you look at it, there's always something new. Right? Because through this book, God says to people like me over and over again, look again. This is the third week we're looking at Jonah chapter 1. <laughs> and in 125 years, this is... Uh, well, this is probably not the first time that we've looked at it, but in the presence of God, it's, it's the Holy Spirit inviting us, whispering us to look again. And so let's do that together now. Merciful, powerful, present, all-knowing God the one who has made everything that exists and who loves all that is made, the one who speaks. We come to you now and we ask, O oh God, that by your Holy Spirit you would come and speak to us. We are here to look at this very, very old story We've come in the hope that you make all things new, maybe even us. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. In August 2017, Hurricane Harvey swept across the Gulf of Mexico and smashed into Texas. When it did, it brought massive flooding and wind and rain to the city of Houston, the great city of Houston. They knew the storm was coming. It wasn't a surprise. And during the storm, stories began to emerge about flooding, about all kinds of things that happen in a great city like that. One of those stories was about 
a very large church called Lakewood Church. It seats 16,000 people. It reaches about 25,000 people each Sunday, and it's there in Houston, and it was closed. Criticisms and calls for compassion began to pile up like storm waters through Facebook and Twitter and phone calls and emails and all kinds of things. Why, people were asking, why when people are scrambling for shelter is the church closed? Why are they not providing food? Their preacher went on NBC to give an interview. He explained that the church is never actually closed, not really that they had flooding themselves and they couldn't house people, that they had never officially been designated a shelter location in the city so nobody knew that they could come there, that they were taking precautions, that they were now open providing food and shelter and medical care. Meanwhile, photos started to show up on the internet showing how the church had been flooded. Other photos showed up showing that the church had never actually flooded and been high and dry the entire time. And to tell you the truth, it's a little bit hard to know where the truth lies. But then again, it doesn't matter, does it? Because when Harvey hit, the world was watching. And when this great and terrible storm brought the greatest flooding that the great city had ever seen, the largest church was asleep. And it seems that it was the criticism of the watching world that roused that church from its slumber. Not unlike what a pagan captain does to Jonah when they are all caught in a great and terrible storm and Jonah is asleep. How can you sleep? Wake up! Get up, arise, call on your God, maybe he can help us. We've been looking at the story of Jonah for a few weeks now. We're going to keep doing that for a while. Jonah is a good story, and good stories are well-told stories. And Jonah is a well-told story. And by that I mean well-crafted. One important feature of how Jonah tells its story is through the use of irony. No, I don't mean the Alanis Morissette song. (laughs) I mean, like, that throughout Jonah, the opposite thing of what you'd expect keeps happening. Jonah runs from a wicked pagan great city straight into the boat of a pagan crew and gets caught up in a great storm. He flees giving a message about God to pagans only to wind up talking to pagans about God anyway. And do you know what else is ironic here in chapter 1? The fact that the pagan sailors embody the values that Jonah is supposed to embody better than he does. God hurls a storm at this boat, and both pagan sailors and Jonah, the religious believer, they are in the same boat, literally. (laughs) And so we ask ourselves, right, how would you expect the idolatrous pagans who make blood sacrifices and swear and curse, how would you expect them to respond in a crisis? Right? And at the same time, how would you expect the church-going Israelite to respond in a crisis? Maybe you imagine that it's the man of God who's first on the scene helping others. Maybe you expect to find the pagan sailors all fighting over the last spot in the lifeboat. I mean, sometimes... That is how we refer to people who believe differently than us. I mean, isn't that how we sort of assume that believers would behave under pressure? 
Jonah's a prophet, and one of the things about being a prophet is that prophets don't just represent God to people, but they also represent the people to God. And so we expect to find Jonah at the front of the line when people are in peril. Well, then there's another irony, isn't it? Because it's the sailors who behave nobly in the face of a common crisis. And it's the pagans who do everything in their power to save the ship. They try to dial the number of any and every god they can think of. (laughs) They're sending up prayers to anyone who might be listening. They try every sacrifice in the book, and then they switch to practical measures. They toss the cargo, which is also their livelihood, in a last effort to save everybody on the ship. They know that they are all on the ship together. Jonah, meanwhile, is snuggled up safely and completely oblivious in the belly of the ship. Jonah is literally asleep to the fact that they are all in the same boat and all of them are in jeopardy. Jonah doesn't do anything to help anyone. The pagan captain descends and calls on him, calls him on the fact that he could be doing something to help and he's not doing anything to help. The pagan captain rebukes Jonah for his indifference to their shared plight. Yeah, but actually it's also the sailors who were rebuking him too. And today, we, our lives are intertwined more than ever with those who believe differently than we do, who live differently than we do. Is this not what the pandemic has been trying to show us? That our lives are connected to each other? That we are, you could say, in the same boat? Except honestly, when I look around, it's sometimes been more often the secular folks who've been really awake to how our behavior affects each other. Moreover, it's been the secular folks, like the captain, who have been the ones to call us out for some of our most significant, serious moral indifferences, the ways that we've been asleep to abuse and racism, political accommodation, for our neglect of the world's resources and well-being. The world is watching. Sometimes the world rebukes the church for what they see. Sometimes they call us out for our indifference. Sometimes the world rebukes us simply by embodying the values we ought to better than we do. Both are meant to wake us up. This is a wake-up call. This is, this is humbling. And Jonah tells us this, this should come as no surprise. So when our non-religious neighbors show up better to common problems, it should awaken us to the ways that we are all in the same boat together. When Jonah realizes that he is to blame for the storm, he does something very interesting. Jonah admits his failure. Look at that. I mean, Jonah does not claim a religious exemption. He does not look for a way to set himself apart from the rest of the crew. He does not try to blow smoke in their face about how, well, they couldn't really understand his complicated beliefs anyway. No, in fact, the pagans seem to understand what Jonah believes better than he does. 
So no, Jonah doesn't try to justify his actions or minimize the pain that he has caused others for his indifference to their plight. Instead, Jonah owns what he has done wrong. And he says, I know that this storm is my fault. (laughs) And you can't see this in English, but when Jonah admits his fault, he says it in Aramaic, not in Hebrew. Right? Jonah is trying to express his guilt and to make an apology in the language that his pagan neighbors can understand. Ironically, Jonah is fulfilling the mission he's trying to avoid. But what does he say when he does so? Actually, not very much. He says, I belong to Yahweh who made the land and the sea, and I have not lived like it. That's it. This is Jonah's gospel presentation. He confesses his sins. And I can't help but wonder, what would it be like for us as a church if we tried really hard to communicate to the world around us our guilt and our apology? What if we were known for that? In his spiritual memoir, Blue Like Jazz, Donald Miller tells a story about how one time they set up this confession booth at Reed College. Reed, if you don't know, is a small liberal arts college. It's in Portland, Oregon. It is known for its wild and permissive campus life. It is not known for welcoming religious groups, especially Christians. And so each year at Reed, they have a festival that they call the Ren Fair. And on, when that festival happens, they shut down the campus so that students can party, and security keeps the authorities away, and, well, everybody gets their pegging on. Don was part of a very small group of Christians at Reed at that time, and they decided together that Ren Fair was the perfect time to let everybody know that there were a few Christians on campus. Now, they knew that Reed students were going to be hostile. They knew that they were outnumbered. They weren't sure how to go about talking about Jesus to people who hated them a priori. Don jokingly said to a friend when they were talking about this, and he was just joking, but he said, They should set up a confession booth in the middle of campus and paint a sign on it that said in big red letters, confess your sins. But Tony, the leader of the group, he didn't get the joke apparently, and so he calls a meeting and he's going to pitch the idea. And Don says, we are not doing this. And Tony says, oh, we are, Don. We certainly are. We are going to build a confession booth. So they met in the commons, and Don explains the idea, and one person puts her hand over her mouth, another guffaws, a third says, they're probably going to burn it down. (laughs) But Tony, Tony gathers everybody's attention, and he explains, here's the catch. We are not actually going to accept confessions from Reed students. Everyone looks confused. He continues, we are going to confess to them. We are going to confess that as followers of Jesus, we have not been very loving. We have been bitter, and for that we are sorry. We are going to apologize for the Crusades. The Crusades? Yes, the Crusades. We will apologize for those televangelists who steal people's money. We will apologize for neglecting the poor and the lonely. We will ask them to forgive us, and we will tell them that in our selfishness, we have misrepresented Jesus on this campus. We will tell people who come into this booth that Jesus loves them. And they did. And believe it or not, 
Students actually came into the booth, and this one student comes in, and Don is sitting there, and he begins to apologize to this unsuspecting Reed student for his selfishness, for the Crusades, for not really caring about the poor of the sick, for not loving those who persecute him, for lashing out when he feels threatened, for mixing his spirituality with politics. Don says, look, I know all of this was wrong, and I know that a lot of people will not listen to the words of Christ because of people like me who know him who carry our own agenda into the conversation rather than relaying the message Jesus wanted us to get across. So, I've not been a good follower of Jesus. But there's a lot more, you know. That's all right, man, the student said very tenderly, his eyes starting to water. Well, Don said, clearing his throat, "Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I forgive you, the student said. Don, Don knew he meant it. The student sat there and he looked at the floor and then into the fire of a candle and he said, it's really cool what you guys are doing. A lot of people need to hear this. It might be that the idea of confessing our sins to a watching world sounds strange or uncomfortable. But then again, it shouldn't come as a surprise because we do it every Sunday. And if there's one thing that confession should do for us, it's this. It should be training us to assume that everyone else in our lives is more generous and more loving than we are. And what would it be like if we showed up to work with that point of view? It should train us to expect to see God showing up in unlikely places and in unlikely people, much like how God shows up mercifully and ironically in Jonah. Jonah is a well-told story, a story that uses irony. And the reason that that matters is because irony becomes the window for how God gets into the story. Jonah is about a radically merciful God, and one of the ways that God's mercy shows up surprisingly, ironically, is that Jonah experiences compassion and care from the very people he tried to avoid. That is what wakes him up to caring for his neighbors, and that is what softens him to be willing to sacrifice himself for their sake. But God also shows up, ironically, mercifully, in a storm that the pagan sailors cannot escape. Right? The sailors try everything they can think of to stop the storm and then to get out of the storm, and nothing works. They cannot make it go away, and they cannot row their sel- themselves out of it. And Jonah tells them that the only option that they have, the one they could not come up with on their own, is that they have to throw him into the sea. So either he is going to die for them, or they're all going to die together. And the sailors don't really like those options. And so they try to row to shore instead to drop Jonah off. They would rather try to stay out of this fight between Jonah and his God than get involved by sacrificing him to the sea. And friends, the secular people I know, they all want to do good where they can. They want to help people. They absolutely do not want to get caught up in religious squalls. But God will not let these pagans row to shore to drop Jonah off. God will not allow them to avoid the questions conveniently. They did not ask for this, but they are in the same boat as Jonah. And they also have to deal with the fact that the living God has hurled a storm at them and they cannot make it go away. 
And so what Jonah reveals to all of us is that we are together in the same boat. And what everyone needs is God. Jonah needs the pursuing, awakening presence of God in his life. The sailors need the wild and all-encompassing power of God who cannot be avoided. What everyone needs, though, is to call on the name of the Lord. God mercifully, ironically, uses pagan people to reveal himself to Jonah, and God uses, ironically, mercifully, disobedient Jonah to reveal himself to pagan people. Everyone meets God in ways they could not expect. And that, my friends, is the wonder of the gospel. Not unlike Jesus telling a story about a good Samaritan to people who were convinced they were the good guys or the way that the Gospels go out of their way to tell us that it was a Roman centurion who was the first to realize who Jesus really was, or that when Jesus was about to die, it was a prostitute who barged into a dinner party and knew how to say thank you. And it is this same God, mercifully, ironically, who shows up much the same way in our lives, not by blessing our strengths or patting us on the back for good behavior, but by pulling the rug of our self-righteousness out from under us, by showing up in the last place we expect, or in the behavior of those we'd rather avoid, always enforcing us to face the questions that we cannot find answers to on our own, questions that lead always, ironically and mercifully, to the last place anyone would ever expect to find God, hanging on a cross, sacrificing Himself for us, There, the Son of God is lifted up before the whole world, and all we do is watch. And Jesus, the one with all the evidence, the one who is the rightful judge, the only one who could ever condemn us, says, I forgive you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, as we gathered here, stand on the cusp of a big anniversary, it makes us want to reach back for stories in our confusing age that help us to know who we are and what we should be about and what you are up to. Today, we reach back even further, though, to a very, very ancient story about Jonah tossed on the sea with strange company. We ask, O God, that you would take this story and that you would use it to change the way that we see the world around us, that you would use it to give us eyes to look for ways that we can care for those who come from very different backgrounds than us. But even more than that, for eyes to see how you are at work in unexpected places. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body or in spirit? Let's sing together. Take my life.
my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for Thee. my voice and let me sing always only for my king take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee take my silver and my gold not a mite would i withhold take my intel Kids from Echo, please come forward for their dismissal. People of God, what is our prayer?
grace to love and serve Jesus. And friends, as our students go to respond to God together through questions and answers, we also respond together by giving uh, some of what God has entrusted to us for our offering. We cannot pass baskets right now, but there are many ways that we can continue to give to the work of this congregation, both by dropping checks off at the box in the entrance, uh, at the front box throughout the week, or by giving online. Having done so, let's respond. Uh, We did respond to God together. That is part of our response. And God sends us with yet one more gift, which is his blessing, which promises to go with us no matter where the week takes us. So friends, would you lift up your eyes, open your hands, and receive it. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing.
Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Go have some fellowship. At 11 o'clock, please come back.